Welcome to the Patrick Real Estate Show, where we explore the fascinating world of real estate investing with your host, Patrick Switek. Patrick is a dynamic young entrepreneur and an accomplished real estate investor who's passionate about helping others achieve financial freedom. Each week, we sit down with some of the most inspiring individuals in the real estate industry and delve into their personal journeys, lessons learned, and secrets to their success. Let's dive into this week's episode. The day has finally come. I have Stephanie Figueros on the podcast. She is not only my co-founder for STR Nation, but she's also a firecracker of a individual in the sense that she crushes it in the short-term rental space. She's most well-known for her ability to do out-of-state investing, living in California, out-of-state investing, building teams from scratch from nothing, and setting up short-term rentals all over the country. And she manages three to four different time zones at the same time. And she manages other people's properties as well. And she just does everything. But most notably, she is my co-founder for STR Nation, which is so awesome. That's the community that we have together. We do a bunch of conferences together. We do meetups every month together. We manage a whole Facebook community, which you guys can join more than welcome to join. But Stephanie, today is not about STR Nation alone. It's about you and getting to know you a little bit more. So without further ado, Stephanie, welcome to the show. Oh my gosh, Patrick. I'm very <laughs> excited to be here. Always talking to you. I swear, you're, <laughs> your energy, it comes through the cameras all the time. So it's always a fun time with you. Like, thanks for having me. Yeah. I'm thrilled to be here. And Stephanie was asking me like, when am I going to be on this show finally? And I was like, Stephanie, trust me. I got to get people prepared to hear your story because it's special. And I want to make sure that you're not one, two, three. I want there to be some sort of audience. And so if you're listening to this, you're going to be part of a, um, a legacy <laughs> that we're building here without. Yeah. Stephanie, why don't you tell people a little bit about how you got started with real estate? Were you always in real estate or were you doing something else before that in the before life? For sure. My past life, I was a registered nurse, I'm still technically licensed, but I don't practice. So I consider myself a resting nurse at this point. Um, but <laughs> I was in the hospital setting that was not happy, saw some other nurses that were super jaded. And I'm like, this cannot be it for me. So having no idea exactly how I was going to do this, I was like, all right, there's this thing, financial freedom. I'm going to go after it. And I actually thought e-commerce was the way to go. I'm not saying it's not, but I, that's what I was actually diving really hard into until I came across real estate. My partner just started showing me a bunch of videos on YouTube and it just clicked for me. And not even, I think maybe the sec by the second or third video, I was like, oh, wow. Okay. Forget, we're going to scrap it. We're going to start over. It's going to be about real estate. It's We started doing actually DoorDash. I just did a funny video about this, but we started, when we did DoorDash, we were seeing houses in different neighborhoods and we were like, yeah, this is so much better. Let's do this. I wanted to do short-term rentals. I was actually talked out of doing short-term rentals at an in-person meetup that I went to. It was actually my very first in-person meetup and I was, nobody did short-term rentals. 
I wanted to do it. I was looking for somebody that did it, but I found one person who got burned because of regulations. And I seriously thought, oh my gosh, this isn't it for me. I guess we're not doing short-term rentals, but I didn't know any better when I was brand new. So I went into, okay, I'll do wholesaling, mobile home flipping. Actually almost took a full-on course in mobile flipping and mobiles, but then came right back to short-term rentals. And my first opportunity, I was like, all right, I have a, I have enough for a down payment. I had a pretty good job. So let's just look for a rental. And in that time period, while I was looking for something, I had an opportunity to do an arbitrage with family. I was supposed to sell it for them. I'm also a realtor. And I decided, okay, I'll pitch doing arbitrage with them instead because they have really bad tenants. And it actually worked out. I had no, I did not run numbers on this thing. I legit just knew the house was a really big house. And I was like, okay, this is the chance. I'm going to do this. And I convinced them to let me be their tenant and to try the subleasing out. And literally not even a month later, I was sold. I was like, okay, this is it. We're going all what in. What sold you? What was it in numbers? Was it the amount of work required for the numbers? What was it? It was the part of it was the process. I actually, I did. I liked setting it up. We had to do a little bit of a rehab though before we got it live. So it was a, about a couple, like two months process of getting this thing ready. It was also the first booking. <laughs> it was a two week booking that we got from somebody that was moving from, I think like Ohio to California. And I was like, what? Like this literally, this one payout is covering like all the expenses. And I, <laughs> so anything outside of that was going to be profit. And I was like, ah, oh, like, this is really cool. So I was like, all right, we got to keep doing this. And that's how we went all in. Awesome. So the first jump was an opportunity that came across, but when, how, like, oh, how much time eluded before you went and actually bought the first property? Can you talk about that process? Yeah. So probably after the first property, we, after a month, we, where was that first property, by the way, was it in California? Oh, was it local? It was in California. It Got was it. in the Valley, but our first property that we went for like as in to buy was in Tennessee. So the timeline so probably- Why was Tennessee out of all places? Why did you go out of state when you did your first one in state? We wanted, I think we wanted something a little bit more affordable because we wanted to buy more. So we didn't want to put all of everything that we had into one property. We planned it to where we could get two property or at least two properties before the end of the year. So that's why we went out of state because houses are a little bit cheaper and our money could go further. And we wanted to do the 10% second home loan. So that's what our strategy was. I actually did not know where out of state. I just knew it was cheaper. So I was scouring forums. I talked to as many people that did out of state investing as I could. I was like, oh, maybe Alabama, maybe Ohio, like all these places. Um, actually, it's funny because we both know him, Alex. I met him at a meetup too. And I was like, what market are you in? And he told me Tennessee. And I was like, oh, okay. So why Tennessee? And that's how it happened. So I was jumping around from before I even met him, I was doing a bunch of market research, but it was once I really dove into that market, it just, it made a lot of sense just because it was an established vacation area. So yeah. I was like, all right, this is this good yeah. for an easy first out of state property is to go to a mature place. Yeah. That's pretty much what ended up happening. <laughs> Awesome. Yeah. So <laughs> at this point, just for the people to know, Stephanie and I, at that point, that's when we met is when I had my first property in the Smoky Mountains. Stephanie had her first property in the Smoky Mountains. We met at a meetup that I put together with another friend of mine. 
And we met. And from there, like she came to the second one, she had a second property in the second one. And I was like, dang, she's moving fast. Things went quick. And that was in 2021, end of 2021. So that was like a little bit more in the tail end of COVID. And people were thinking, oh, prices have already exhausted themselves. Like they're way too high. And for some reason, Stephanie and I bought and we were blessed to buy because timing wise, it should have been the worst time to buy. But looking back, it was probably one of the best. So the best time to buy is now, right? Um, So we met each other. It was, we went month to month. So tell me about what's purchase number. How many are you at right now? How about that? Let's just talk about that. So as far as like overall running or managing, I'm at nine right now. As far as those that are mine, I'm at six. So we pivoted this year though, to focus more on um, cash flow plays within STRs, but we are also looking to acquire our next STR creatively. It's taking a little bit longer just because it, it does take more patience to find the right deals, but we've gotten pretty close. We actually almost bought something creatively in Gatlinburg a couple months ago, but it didn't quite work out with our negotiations with the seller. Yeah. I think I have a deal for you, by the way. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole other thing. We'll talk about that later, but this is the whole thing about, about being in the right rooms. Like I didn't even think about you being the wanting a creative finance deal, but you brought it up here and it's just, wait, hold on. I, somebody just told me about a creative finance deal today that they're looking to sell in broken or not broken boat in Blue Ridge. I'm actually talking to somebody in, or I've been talking to them in Blue Ridge. I wonder if it's the same person. (laughs) (laughs) That'd be funny. She's listening to this. I know. (laughs) Okay. But, but cool. So that's the beauty about telling people what you do and networking. And that's why we do the meetups every month. Stephanie is we see a lot of people doing deals, but so with those rentals, you got to nine now and you're focusing on cash flow. That's co-hosting, right? Like managing other people's properties. Yeah. So it's, I'm, there's two things that I'm actually focusing on. One is helping people on the realtor side, find short-term rentals, both in California. And I have a lot of connections out of state too. connecting people if they want to be in a different place, um, that, and then also co-hosting as well. So it's a mix of both is what is current. What's been the current theme this year. Yeah. That's awesome. And what, so what are your, so moving forward with that, right? Out of state investing, let's talk about that a little bit. One thing that I think you've mastered really well, Stephanie, is the ability to go to a new market, at least from what I've seen with you. And I'm curious for myself even, because I don't know if my strategies are outdated, but how do you, let's say you get a new property under contract in Alabama. Let's say we got one in Alabama, right? Or actually, let's do an example. You have one in Crystal Beach, Texas, right? Mm -hmm. Crystal Beach, Texas. You put it under contract. What are the next steps? How do you get this property up and running? How do you find the teams? How do you, when you live in California, how do you do that? Great questions. What I've come to find is there is like a process we've created, no matter what market it is. It's just like rinse and repeat. Once we're under- Do you have resources on that? Do you have a guidebook or something? I do have a, I do have something and maybe I'll live, I'll have it as a, a gift for your listeners, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Let me mull on that a little bit more, but I'm actually creating some more formatted stuff to help other people too, yeah. to get my thoughts on paper. But once after con, once we're under contract, I actually have some people that I'm working with mentoring now in that exact same process. So this will work out, but once that's when the ball is rolling. So while Depending how the it's structured, if it's one person versus a partnership, one focuses on the transaction, the other focuses on now getting the property 
suited to go live. This is when the part where we can actually start really getting information from vendors. You should do some vendor research though, before you get under contract, just very superficial, make sure there's actually a vendor available before you even buy. Example of a vendor that you need on your team. Um, first and foremost, I always go for the cleaners. I'll actually, I'll look on Turno to see what's available in the area. I'll sometimes interview them. So I usually do, I have an interview questionnaire that I pretty much blast to at least, I try to go to at least five minimum cleaners. If I can hit more, I'd rather at least on the front side of it. And then once I screen them through these questions, then I'll go on the phone with them and do like a phone interview. And then I'll get it, narrow it down to three people at minimum to interview in person. And so I'll let them know that I'm going to be at this property after this date, or I'll give them like a range because usually you don't know for sure. And then I'll try to schedule ahead of time to meet them there. And so I'll line up all my vendors, but I'll have a pre-screening before I meet them in person. Um, and I'll do this as well with, if I, depending on the property. So if there's an electrical stuff that needs to be updated, I'll get my electricians lined up. It's always nice because cleaners do know other people. So I'll try to start with what they'll refer before going and searching myself. And then that's how I start the process with getting my boots on the ground is really having a lot of points of contact with the cleaner before I ever even meet them in person and they come do a walkthrough at the house. Cool. So what are the cleaners doing before you're, when you're setting up the property? Like what are they doing the whole setup for you? Are they going in there and opening boxes and putting furniture together? Or can you explain that a little bit more in depth? Yeah. So this is the tricky part. If it's a brand new market that I've never even been to, I will not have selected the cleaner at that time. If it's a property that I already have out like established already, then I'll send my cleaner stuff because I already have who I want. So for a brand new market, never been there. Now I need to figure out how to furnish it. I've never mailed beforehand if I haven't selected the cleaner yet, but I'll see if they can give me some recommendations on, oh, is there, there's like places that have pods and stuff that you can use ahead of time. I actually like to do, go to the properties and do setups just because I like to be involved in the design, but I also have remotely managed it from a distance when I have to go back home for some reason. So it, I, at the very beginning, I'll have, I'll either put stuff in my cart and time it to where I'll be there to receive it. Or if I, my preference is I actually like to go shopping in person. So I'll have a U-Haul pretty much scheduled and then I'll go shopping until I drop for the first like two days <laughs> <laughs> and then do my interviews on the third day because then I'm already going to be home all day long. So you schedule everything prior to going out there. Yeah. Yeah. Got yeah. It. It's like the car rental, the U-Haul, the cleaners, like I will line them up. So day one, I arrive day two and three, I day one is also inventory checking. Cause you never know what's at the property. Yeah. So day two and three is shopping till I drop. And then usually around day four is when I meet the cleaner. And that's also when I have other vendors come to the house because at that point, I, I don't want to leave. I'd rather be there and set, do setups and stuff. And then that's when I'll have other people come and help me. Got it. Cool. So how long do you have to take off? Did you, you used to take off of work? I know yes. I remember that. How long did you have to take off of work? And how did that process look? Um, so I, at least a week, I wow. try really hard to get partially furnished properties out of state. It's just so much easier. And we're talking like 
the beds, the couches, the tables. I still redecorate the entire like other stuff, but the bulk no, of it, I don't want to have to build a table. So that's <laughs> what I try my best to do. It doesn't always happen that way, but, but yeah, that's how it goes. So most of the time though, it'll take me at least one to two weeks. Sometimes it's taken me three weeks. I had the one close by though, that took me like two months to get that thing ready. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah. okay. So you fly out, you do this. When do you fly out? You fly out after it closes, right? Yeah, so I'm buying these things sight unseen, which is sight unseen. So how? So that's scary to some people, and a lot of a lot of more old school investors will tell you that's old school. I'm thinking even Josh, my business partner, Mm -hmm. said the same thing to me. Why would you buy it as sight unseen? What? Why would you buy it sight unseen? What's your reasoning? Um, I can tell you, and probably the majority of people can relate to this piece, but you can only get so much time off without losing your job. And you need that job to get the loans for these properties, especially when you're starting. I personally really make sure I would always make sure that whoever your realtor is like you, you trust them because they are my eyes and ears. I also have a very specific buy box. So like, I don't buy out of state properties that are older than like a decade. So all my properties are on the newer side. And that's also for the purpose of, I don't want to have to repair anything. I want turnkey ready to, as turnkey as like possible when it's far away from me, ready to go. Like I have a 2021 new build that has given me zero problems, but the one that was built in 20, I think it was two, I think it was 2012. It could be a little older. That gives me problems all the time out of state. So it's like one of those things where you have to think about your time. And this was before I quit my job too. Yeah, the out-of-state stuff, if you set yourself up right, knowing what you want before you buy it, you can prevent a lot of stuff. Because I've backed out of deals out-of-state because they were older properties and, oh, I have to replace the whole deck because of inspection. And I said, no, I don't want to deal with all that (laughs) stuff. Nowadays, I might, it's different because we don't, we, we were flexible, but it wasn't like that when I first started out. Nice. You have this, you're flying out, you fly out, you do the week trip out there. What are you doing during that week trip? You said you're doing decor. Do you stock the place up? Like, how do you stock the place up? Do you do anything else to prepare it for managing it from remote? Yeah. So there's a lot of different things like that you do need to, you have to be, you have to be very good at anticipating stuff because the plan is I'm not going to be here for another year. So yeah. what do I do now between now and then? So owner's closets, super important. What is an owner's closet? It's where you stock all your like resupply for your prep property. So your cleaners get access to your owner's closet, like toilet paper or a new coffee maker, mm. open cups, glasses that you can replace. Yeah. The one thing that I've learned though, is you need to measure everything before you leave. We're talking, I don't know. I think I've replaced three stoves. Hot tip. That yeah. is a really smart tip. Funny enough, I did something similar. I took pictures when I did my first Smoky Mountains property. I took pictures of all the different like tags for appliances and everything just to have it in my folder. So that's interesting. You do that same thing. Oh yeah. So we have a property master list. <laughs> it's quite nice because we use this also for our co-host properties where it, it gives you like the rundown of everything you would possibly need to know, like in the house, like where's the electrical yeah. What picture is associated with it? So pictures are your friend, right? So taking a picture of the appliance numbers, but also measuring it is one thing. 
your locks are going to fail. It's about, it's a matter of time. So having a manual backup lock boxes have saved me. I have copies of keys, like smart. Yeah. Too many copies of keys probably at this point. The lock lock box is key. The manual lock box from remote investing, like you can't rely on your door code and even your door code. What kind of brands do you recommend for that? So I'm a fan of Slage on code. I'm not opposed yeah. to other ones like Yale and August locks and stuff, but I've, because all my properties are Slage on codes, I just stay because <laughs> it's all in the same app. Yeah. I've found that to be my favorite as well, but I know the Yale August locks are really good. I have a few of those as well. And they were out of stock on this slage. I think I actually um, told you to get, yeah, if you can't find on, slage on codes to get August locks. Yeah. So cool. So you do that. Is there another device that you use to monitor the property? Perhaps a camera. <laughs> oh yeah. The ring floodlight. And I'll have to say it has saved me a bunch of times because in, in specific to Tennessee, we get bears a lot. So it's nice. Yeah. And hey, what happened to our trash can? And it's a bear. So, <laughs> um, but I've actually used my cameras. So funny thing that happened, one of my cabins, my water kept getting stolen by contractors next door doing a new build. And they just kept siphoning my water. And I'm like, no, don't. So I talked to them through the camera <laughs> multiple times. I even got obnoxious about it and put the siren on just because oh I want them. I, and the funny thing was, I swear, I actually don't look at my cameras, but I just so happened to have looked at it and they got reinforced because a guest mentioned something weird about people next door. So I looked at the cameras and long behold, they were siphoning my water. And I was like, oh no. Wow. <laughs> Wait, why don't you look at cameras? I feel like you want to protect your property, right? Wouldn't you want to look at the cameras? That's usually um, the response. Yeah, it is. I will say though, you will drive yourself nuts if you stare at your cameras all yeah. day. So it's definitely good to have the, the memory of it. But the one thing with out-of-state stuff is, because I've managed close by and I've managed a foreign. Yeah can't sweat the small stuff when it's far away from you. When we were still brand new, my partner was like nervous or not happy that they brought a dog. And I'm like, what are we going to do? <laughs> <laughs> Tell the guests, Hey, you're not supposed to have a dog here. And actually that changed how we word stuff when we screen guests, but you can't go there. You can have your cleaner go there, but in the big scheme of things, is it really worth worrying about? And I think when I had stuff close to me, I didn't feel quite like that. But when it came, when we started treating it like it was far away, um, that changed our mindset on this is an investment property. This is not where we're going to live. And a lot of people, I think, make the mistake, whether it's out of state or not, they'll buy houses suited to where, oh, I'd want to live here. And that's not how you want to invest. Yeah. You want to think about the end user, the one that's staying in the place. Oh, so. yeah. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't agree more. Okay, cool. So you set up this whole property, you get all of the tags and every all the pictures and all that you write it all down you do the measurements and you you leave right and it's ready for the next guest you have all your little parameters there good to go you leave the place now talk about when you're back home in california do you have to go by every month to restock and do stuff or what does the process look like from there so one thing before we move to that part, I will say taking videos of everything is super important before you leave too. Mm -hmm. And I have a 
actually a really concrete example of something that happened where I'm so glad I took a video of it. Mm -hmm. But once I'm back in California, when it comes to restocks, so when I'm there, I try to restock that thing for a year. So my owner's closets are really full just because I don't want my cleaner to have to ask me for more stuff, but it's not a big deal because they still do. So I'll just mail it to them. Usually they'll tell me what's missing or what we need more of. And then I'll just Amazon ship it to them. If guests need something because something walked away, Instacart Mm -hmm. is my best friend. So I Instacart things all the time. And guests are usually pretty happy about that. And you just do things by mail, really, if you have to. I've had like a lock that was replaced and my cleaner mailed a copy of the new key to me. Just so I have a copy of it in case that one walks away. (laughs) Yeah. Cool. Okay. So you're back home now. Talk about your team. Who's on your team? for this property who do you need on your team you need a cleaner you got the cleaner already right yeah else do you need a handyman yeah it's always so i have like my my handyman through my cleaner and then i have a separate handyman that's just a handyman that's a little bit first i find that going through my cleaner sometimes is a little i don't know if how good of a handyman he is but he's very reliable and he's not as expensive so he can do easy stuff like change the filter, change the light bulbs, change the battery. And yeah. I don't need to hire a full on handyman for that to fix. But if I have something break and he can't fix it, then I have a dedicated handyman. I have a couple actually that I summon. What's, what's interesting is like you have the handyman, right? You call them the cleaner handyman. Yeah. What, what you call <laughs> I, I call that person the runner. I don't um, know. That's like my name for that person. They just come if they need to put a package in or do some small stuff. But that's so interesting. I didn't know that's what you call it. The cleaner handyman. I call it the cleaner. They're like (laughs) a cleaner, but they're a little more technical and they're not as expensive as a handyman. So it's like a nice in-between. I actually have an inspector with the cleaning company. So she's the runner if you have to. uh, Oh, got it. Yeah. So she does does that type of stuff. Um, What about electrical, big things like that? Do you have, do you get the full amount of people prior to hosting or do you just get it as you go? So I used to get it as I go, but what I've done now, so part of our master list is just like a vendor backup list. And this is for my virtual assistants so that they're not having to worry about finding somebody. If something goes wrong, they can just go to the master list and say, okay, start calling. If it's yeah. an electronic problem, these are, we already know these are vendors that we can use out in this area. Got it. Uh, it's a little bit more efficient, but If the house doesn't need electrical work, like when I'm there, because it doesn't need it, I don't bother calling them, but at least I know who they are beforehand. Got it. Cool. So that's your team. You got your dream team together and you got your VAs, which is awesome. Talk about how, when things go wrong or when things happen, like how do you manage like guest expectations? Let's say that there's a pissed off guest or the guest can't get in. Like, how do you deal with that? So remotely, the expectations is probably like the number one thing and having it in multiple places, people will miss things easily. But first your public listing, I have it in my check-in instructions. I also have touch day. So it's a guidebook that I make sure my guests have beforehand. There's QR codes in the house that go to the guidebook. And so now it's not just the primary guest that's seeing this, but it's also everybody else that's in the party. What's in the guidebook? Is there a house manual in there? Like telling you how to operate things? Is that how it works? Yeah, yeah. So we have, if it's like a more technical thing, I have a video embedded into the guidebook so they can troubleshoot it themselves. Oh, this isn't working. Okay, this is where Mm -hmm. you find 
the electrical box and stuff. So it's a house manual and it's an area manual too. Nice. Cool. I think that is, that's so cool that people can just remotely manage things. Um, I used to tell people, Hey, listen, like when people get scared about it, I'm like, you have a lot of insurance. You got home insurance, you got Airbnb insurance, you got renters insurance, and then you got more than enough to go around to, and you got your business. If you incorporate like an SNC or as, or if you incorporate or you become an SC, then like you get protections there as well. So I think people just freak out and it's all fear and fear is an emotion. It's not logical. When you really look at it, it's pretty safe to do it remotely versus even next door. Stephanie, if it was next door, would you call the plumber to fix the place or would you go over there and fix it yourself? So I used to go, <laughs> this is before I, I did <laughs> out of state. All right. But yeah, the truth. Yeah. No, I would call somebody being out of state. It literally forces you to have really solid systems because you just cannot be there Yes. to do it. And I think too, the other part is things nowadays, you can easily find somebody remotely for whatever task that you need. And the other right. part that I also like is get to know your neighbors virtually. Yes. I actually have, I know all my neighbors in every market. And I think some of it's very coincidental. Mm. Actually, I saw a U-Haul truck next door to my Florida property. And I'm like, they're either moving in or moving out. Let's go meet them. <laughs> Turns out they're moving in. They were the owners too. And they actually gave us like some furniture and we could use it at our place. <laughs> so that is amazing. And we just, we keep in contact. And it's the same in my Texas property is we check on each other's properties every time we both visit and we're both out-of-state owners. So Aww, that's cute. Yeah, really cool. I think that's so cool. I think plugging in, plugging yourself, <laughs> this is a good transition. Let's transition a little. This is a great transition. Plugging yourself into the community is so critical. Why? Because you can find handymen, you can find <laughs> cleaners, you guys can help each other out when you guys are both out of state. So communities are big. I remember going on Facebook groups all the time in the beginning when I go to a new market and just messaging and asking for contractors in that market and people giving good recommendations. I think that was a key thing there and finding cleaners that way as well. But that couldn't have been possible without community. And I think even in the beginning of your story, when you were talking about how you met Alex, I also met Alex Sabio. Shout out to Alex Sabio. We both met Alex Sabio and we both were motivated and inspired by what he was building. And that was just an observation point that we see and that said, oh, wow, we can invest out of state. What are we doing? I was stuck. You were stuck too. You're like, you were already sold. Mark, out of there's a, you hear a lot of people say, don't do it. Cause like I was talking to different types yeah. of investors and some liked it, some didn't like it, but it was like finding somebody that was in that was in short-term rentals specifically i yes. found a person that was doing this like in mexico but it was nice because we just it was a we connected very well so i appreciate that for sure but yet that community factor virtually <laughs> makes a big deal oh my god huge it's even more it's even more amplified <laughs> what else i mean for me what else did you get from community i feel like i got a lot from being in a community, which is partly the reason why we started STR Nation together, which is our community, is because we both truly are passionate about helping other people. And you can probably hear through Stephanie's passion, just even explaining the story and like how animated she is. And it's just one of those things, like we get so pumped about short-term rentals and we help a lot of people out in our group. Like we, we give, a, we have a whole community manager we just hired. 
So we're all in, like we, we want to be there all the time. We want to always answer all the questions. We want to be involved. And so hop in guys, get inspired, see other people killing it, see other people doing big things, get resources. That's what it's all about. Being in these spaces are critical. It doesn't have to be ours, but just in general. Now let's talk about the in-person component. <laughs> if you are just starting out, you don't have money, you don't have anything. The best and easiest way to do things is to go to the monthly meetups. That is, I've seen personally, Stephanie, you and I have hosted meetups from 15 to a thousand, sorry, not a thousand, 15 to a hundred people, right? Like we've had 120 at some point. We had 150 in a room for our conference. So I think that was like a huge thing, seeing how many people shook hands and like doing deals to this day. Yeah. Because they join and you see their transition. I've even seen our own transition and how much we've grown through our own community. I guess it's selfish to say that we both did the community together and motivated each other. Because every time I saw you picking another one under contract, I was like, dang, she's growing so fast. I got to start stepping it up. And so I got to six as well. And now we're both at six <laughs> and managing, right? So that's the cool thing there. So Stephanie, what, what is like the goal for you with the community? What do you, what is the goal for you personally with SCR Nation? So uh, it's funny because it's, I feel you probably agree with this. It's transformed and it's starting to take a life of its own. I know yeah. when we first started, we, we didn't really have a direction as far as where we go other than to get bigger, other than to get bigger and other, and to get better. And then to also touch and help more people just because we both have a passion for STRs. It's changed both of our lives in our own ways. So we're like, yeah, everybody should totally do this. For me, nowadays, I'm thinking with STR Nation, it's, I really love the conference that we, that we did before and that we're doing yes. again, because I was, it's to hear how people were changed, not only in their business, but within themselves. I'm like, this is why I want to keep doing this. And yes. it's one thing I always tell people is consistency is huge because we have regulars and I know, you know who you are. If you're a regular to me, <laughs> if you're listening and you're a regular shout out to you, we love you. <laughs> yes. And it's funny. Cause when I have people that are new that come in, they're like, how, like they, they're almost confused because they see how well we all know each other. And even though we don't see each other or every week or talk every single day to like our regular, yeah. we stay connected through the once a month meetups. We have the online community. Yeah. And if anything too, it, keeps you accountable is what I also find it's to be honest it's just that that's the whole point of what they call math like the mastermind that's exactly what right. it is take more than just your own brain it's you how do you get other people and their brains in on one area and meetups exact are exactly that it's just yeah. an in-person mastermind once a month yeah I'm always excited though because it's definitely growing and it's I see the impact that it's making through yeah. a lot of feedback from people so what big thing are we doing? Why don't we talk about the big thing we're doing in two months, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> San Diego, the lane, September 24, 25, 26, 24 is for a VIP. So you should totally book it because you'll be with us on a yacht. But yep. what's going to be on the yacht? We're going to have access to speakers on the yacht. All the speakers are going to be on the yacht. You guys are going to be able to talk to them. Some of them are like $1,500 an hour just to talk to them one-on-one. -on -one. And you can talk to them for half an hour. 
It's exclusive. And when I say this, I'm talking like less than probably 30 people will be on that, on the yacht too. That And a cool saxophone guy. There's a cool saxophone guy. There's going to be a DJ. There's going to be a lot of stuff. So I am so excited. Yeah. (laughs) And this is just for VIP. There's a way, like way more stuff that they get to. That day is dedicated for them. Our main event though, on Monday, Tuesday, on the 25th and 26th, this is a full day. And this is the, this is our, the second time we're doing this. So our second conference, yeah. but because we're both Californians and last year was in Vegas, <sighs> yeah. we decided to put it in our own backyard and yep. San Diego is home. a favorite of no one. Yep. I've never heard one person tell me I don't like San Diego. Yeah. <laughs> People say, I don't like California, but they're probably alluding to somewhere in San Francisco. Sorry, Maybe. guys. <laughs> no, we I'm like kidding. our Bay Area people too. We, have, we like we our have Bay Area friends. people. Yes, but certain them. parts of San Francisco, I don't know. I wouldn't live there. But there in the Bay Area more than once too. Yeah. Like we have. So. We have. And But San Diego is just a staple. It's going to be warm. It's going to be amazing. It's going to have, we're going to have really cool indoor outdoor space. So the outdoor is going to be the networking. So we're going to have open bar. We're going to have a lot of fun. There's going to be high energy. Everyone's going to be super hyped up. You're going to see people killing it. I know. (laughs) And and we'll also have our sponsors who these are, I can, let me tell you guys, Patrick and I have worked really hard to make sure that the people that we invite to this conference, especially our sponsors are people that we totally back whether we are users or our communities are users. Yep. These are very specific to the short-term rental niche. And yes. to be honest, if you are serious about short-term rentals, it, you will recognize these sponsors. And if you 100%. are trying to get serious, these guys will help level you up because I'll speak this to the out-of-state side. Um, part of it is the tech and it's the softwares and it's the way that they automate things to make life much easier. Big special shout out to our sponsors that will be there. We've got Guesty, Price Labs, Proper. We have Boostly, Breezeway. We have Even Movement Mortgage, Turno. These guys are big players already in the short-term oh, rental yeah. So they're there to support short-term rental investors. And so I'm excited because I have questions for them too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm like, why are you guys, what kind of features are you guys doing? What the heck? So here's my big take on it. And the reason that we're talking about this, look, we could sit here and talk about it all day, but at the end of the day, what really matters is access. That's it. And I'm going to give you the simple layout where I tell people this and I believe it so heartily. That's why I'm here and telling you guys this and spending time on this. Go to in-person networking events. That is so important. But what's more important are these events that are paid. Now, let me explain. When an event is paid, not when you go to a free event, you're going to see a lot of newbies. And being around newbies is great. It's no, There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with being a newbie, even if you're a newbie. But if you want to have access to people that are doing it and they're serious and they are taking things to the next level because they really are there, they're spending two days flying in, getting a hotel, doing all, have all these commitments, but dropping them just to be there. There's a reason that they're there. Find out that reason. But at the same time, know that your access is going to be higher. You're going to be around more higher level people. And that's why when you get VIP, you get around even more high level people. But general admission, I think is 
Like if you do a general admission ticket, it's the biggest ROI you could do in your investing career, hands down. And the event is going to be fun. It's going to be filled with a lot of educational speakers. We're going to talk about boutique hotels. We're going to talk about scaling. We're going to talk about operations. We're going to talk about all forms from beginner to pro. We're going to talk about it all. But the biggest thing is the presence and the vibe that you get in that room. People say that vibe is unparalleled anywhere. So I'll see you guys there. Get those tickets. We don't do no 50%, 100% off or 90% off tickets. We don't do 90% off tickets. We don't do crazy stuff like that. Our tickets are where it's at and it's only going up higher over time as we start selling out. We've already sold out our early or early pre-launch. Now we're at the early birds. Grab your ticket. This is the time is now. Grab your ticket. I'll have it in the bio below and I'll see you guys there. So Stephanie and I will, are excited about that. Now, <laughs> the last five things or the last three questions I have I do this on every show. One of them is going to be specific to you. And I think of it on the spot. I don't, I haven't even thought about it. Oh, okay. <laughs> let's talk about this. Not so not number one question. What book do you recommend? Oh, I really like your next five moves by Patrick Bet David. Like that one. That's I know that's the one you raffled out at the conference. Last I, knew, I knew I need to come up with another favorite book. I really like the one thing. That's a if you are not a productivity person, this will make you a productivity person. Nice. Gary Keller. Okay. So now what does the future hold for Stephanie? What is Stephanie working on? What is she really excited about? Ooh, okay. I <laughs> ambitious person guys so I have a tendency to do a lot of things and that's just how I roll but what's in store for me I'm excited just because I'm getting a lot of traction in the creative space too when it comes to acquiring that piece also the realtor side the, honestly too this is a new thing for me this year is actually focusing on helping other people buy short-term rentals I didn't realize how much I'd actually enjoy doing this. And it's really cool because to me, it doesn't feel like work. It's like, I'm looking for a short-term rental for myself, <laughs> but I'm at you least, don't have to pay for it. I don't have, but I'm giving it to somebody else. And yeah. it's like, there's enough for everybody guys. And yeah. then the one thing that you think about is like the abundance mindset. And you'll get that too, during these conferences, especially ours, but being a short-term rental realtor in California is, has been really cool. So I'm doubling down on that this year. I actually have a potential pretty big listing. If you like alpacas, just to keep, keep <laughs> tune in. You'll want to hear love alpacas. Um, that <laughs> also for me, the co-hosting side is interesting too, because I haven't been as active in acquiring more co-hosting clients. But what I've come to find because of these in-person meetups, I have a lot of people coming to me wanting me to be a co-host for them as well as arbitrage from them. And what I'm finding is I have so many tools in this tool belt I have that I'm able to really solve their problems based off of what their goals are. Honing in on my craft in short-term rentals and becoming an expert even more and knowing, learning how to even do this better from a distance because I like to improve myself. Also, that's in addition to mentoring and coaching. I have private students that I've been working with and I do have something rolling out, which I won't reveal just yet, but <laughs> it's going to pretty much expand on what I'm already doing with students who want to learn how to do this from out of state. So yeah, uh, if people want to get in touch with you about those kind of things, where can they reach out to you about that? 
Yeah. So I'm pretty active on my Instagram, Facebook, social media. So at Stephanie Figueros is my handle. It's just my name. You can easily find me there. And I'm pretty, I'm a pretty transparent person. I think honesty is the best policy. So yeah. Hit me up there. I'm happy to chat with you. Yeah. Awesome. So here's your question. Okay. <laughs> I love the I theoretical questions. I, I love it. So let's say that you're buying your, you decide to go remote to the next level. It's remote on steroids. You are buying a hotel in Bali. Okay. Explain how this would be different than doing remote investing in the United States. How would you approach that differently? You know what? I didn't even tell you this, but I have an opportunity right now to do an STR in the Philippines. <laughs> it's a condo. And think about how I'm going to answer your question based off of how I'm going through this right now. Perfect. I need boots. I don't speak the language. Okay. So I am Filipino, but I don't speak Tagalog fluently, <laughs> but, and I don't speak, I, what do they speak in Bali? I don't know. Sorry guys, but probably the way I would go about this remote is the one thing is boots on the ground that can literally make or break your business from wherever you are. If you don't have solid people, it's going to be a huge headache. So I would probably start by getting in touch with people who already like people who are similar to me that have this from a distance and see what their experience has and if they have any recommendations mm -hmm. to start with. And that's like the part about knowing your neighbors or knowing people yeah. in space. Because I know that in a question like a hotel in Bali, I'm like, who else owns a hotel in Bali <laughs> that is not from <laughs> Bali? I would probably start there and see if I can have a good conversation with them too, especially you, one thing you'll find is if you're in the same boat as somebody, it's much nicer to have that company than to be on your own boat by yourself. I would go with that. And honestly, Facebook groups, I look at Facebook groups probably is one of the easiest and first things I'll look at in a new market is I'll go and dive in and learn everything I know about this or what I can find about this market through Facebook groups and ask questions and DM people. That's how I would start doing that. Not knowing anything about Bali other than I want to go. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. So Stephanie, thank you so much for hopping on this podcast. We're we were so happy to have you. Finally, if you want to get your tickets to the conference to see Stephanie in person and see her speak on stage, str-nation.com. Grab your tickets. Thank you, Stephanie, so much for hopping on. Thanks, Pat. And that's a wrap. Thank you for listening to the Patrick Real Estate Show. If you found this episode helpful, please give us a follow and leave us a five-star review. Your support truly means a lot. And connect with Patrick in the show notes below. Until next time.